Welcome to Medical Minefield, where we talk about the ethical dilemmas at the heart of the health stories that matter the most. I'm Barney Kalman. And I'm Eve Simmons. And we are health journalists who spend our lives asking tough questions to experts who really know their stuff, so you don't have to. This week, we're talking about whether we should cut the COVID isolation time to five days, just like they've done in America. As always, we'd like to know what you think. If you've got a question or have something to say, you can do so on Twitter using the hashtag Medical Minefield. It's an interesting question, isn't it, Eve? And I'm personally slightly confused um, by the the rules. I'm sure I'm I'm not the only one um, that has. I mean, maybe I just had a few miss misconceptions uh, about what you needed to do and when and what kind of test and at what point you had to isolate from, etc. <laughs> Thank God you haven't got COVID. Well, I was saying, <laughs> you know, I do trouble. one of those tests every day and it's just a faint blue line, a faint, a faint line is, is fine, isn't it? A faint second line. It's just a... Yeah, did you know that C means COVID? Oh, that's what I thought. That's what I thought, yes. When, you, when, it's, when the line's on C. Yeah. But the rules as of Tuesday, the 11th of January in England, people who do routine testing, so people who do routine testing at work, say, as teachers or us, previously, if you tested positive on a lateral flow test yet had no symptoms, you then had to seek a confirmatory PCR test. You no longer have to do this. However... If you suffer COVID symptoms, you should always seek a PCR test in the first instance. This has not changed. But yes, you isolate for seven days. But if you've had symptoms, it's from when your symptoms first start. Confused? (laughs) And that's the key, isn't it? Because that's what's different from America. So in America, where they've just cut the isolation time to five days... Um, your infection starts from when you first have a positive test. My understanding is that their rule applies to asymptomatic cases only also and that that it's five days from the point of diagnosis with a lateral flow test or whatever test and the test is the starting point just for asymptomatic cases but it's five days and they don't require a test at the end of it at present although it's being considered by Anthony Fauci. That's all very well for people who are asymptomatic but then what about symptomatic cases? I'm not entirely sure what they are suggesting in the States whether it's the same rule five days or whether it's something different whether they start from symptoms onset or whether it's from the positive test. We're going to ask someone who knows about this who's based in the states in a minute i mean the idea of cutting down isolation time is with so many people catching covid now here and in the states we've got millions now or we've got more than a million people in the uk in isolation at present and this number is only going to grow the longer people are out of circulation the more difficult life gets for everyone because services have to close or rubbish bins don't get collected teachers are out of school it causes huge disruption and at the moment that's the main problem with this kind of sheer volume of cases that we have it's it's not necessarily like it was before that so many people are dying it's just the kind of logistical complications that are going on at the moment in society. Which is why some very reasonable experts are saying that we should consider following suit and do as America has done and cut isolation to five days. I think to start off with, let's speak to an American expert, Professor Monica Gandhi, who is an infectious diseases 
specialist at the University of California, San Francisco. Professor Gandhi, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us as ever. At the moment, we're discussing isolation periods and whether or not Britain should do as America has done and enforce just five days of isolation after a positive COVID test. Could you explain to me, obviously, the top line is quite simple, but it's a really complicated subject. Uh, Could you explain to me in detail, what are the rules at the moment in America? So the rules are that if you are vaccinated and you're asymptomatic, you don't have to test anymore. But if you have had an exposure that's called quarantine, you just have to wear a fit mask for the first 10 days if you're vaccinated. So that's to end isolation. Yeah, well, it ends quarantine for vaccinated people. If they've been exposed and they're vaccinated and boosted, then they can wear a good mask for the next 10 days and just confirm that they don't get any symptoms. If you are sick, though, if you're sick or if you're unvaccinated, then you have to isolate, you have to test, and you do have to isolate for five days. And then after those first five days for the CDC, you can leave isolation, but with a fit and filtered mask for the next five days. So what is the thinking behind that? So you have some symptoms, you test positive, and your isolation starts from the moment you test positive for five days. Is that right? That's correct. And do you have to take a test at the end of that period or can you just go about your business? Well, so the first the CDC said that you don't have to take a test at the end of that period. And then there was quite a lot of criticism of that. And so then they added, if you have access to a test, you can take a test. So it was a little vague. I think that the reason the CDC did this is essentially there's viral load studies, viral infectivity studies, and there's also contact tracing studies. And in the largest contact tracing study ever performed of when people transmit after having symptoms, not just the majority of transmission occurred within the first five days, actually all of it occurred within the first five days. This is a careful contact tracing study in JAMA Internal Medicine in Taiwan. And six days or later, there were no transmissions from symptomatic people with COVID to their contacts. So that was their main reasoning, is that it was a real-world study that showed transmission occurred within the first five days. In the UK, we have a slightly nuanced rule. If you are symptomatic, you have to take a PCR test. You can't take a lateral flow test. And your isolation period is backdated. So it's you get the test to confirm the diagnosis, but you isolate from the, the moment you got your symptoms. So say I started getting symptoms, I sought a test... Uh, got my result three days later, I would backdate my isolation period three days. So we then say seven days of isolation. So I would do another four days after that. Do you think that's an equally sensible approach? Or do you think that perhaps we should say five days in the same way? You know, I would recommend that the UK goes towards the US rules. And I actually, I thought they were quite wise, the US rules. Why? Because a PCR test can stay positive for 90, 120 days. We have seen PCRs stay positive for a prolonged period of time. You're not infectious, of course, that during that time, um, the virus loses infectivity very quickly and unvaccinated people probably within nine days. So they didn't, can't culture it after nine days. But the PCR test, because it's so sensitive and it picks up little bits and fragments of even dead virus, can stay positive for a prolonged period of time. And the reason that the CDC did this is because isolating and quarantine eventually with such a transmissible variant 
is very disruptive to society. So they are being practical and balancing the aspect that it's an endemic virus with the other aspect that we want to ensure that we keep people safe. They're really trying to keep a balance here. So does the CDC recommend a lateral flow test rather than a PCR test as a confirmatory test? Yes, that's exactly right. Interesting. Which is is less sensitive to very small amounts of virus in the nose and can't stay positive like this. Um, for so long, like 90 days. Something that surprises people, and and you'll know all about this as an infectious diseases expert, something that surprises people is that you're, because we always hear coughs and sneezes spread diseases, but in fact, with respiratory tract infections, you are most infectious before the coughs and sneezes, so before symptoms. That's right, isn't it? Well, that is right, actually. It's just that we never kept, a couple of days before symptoms, we just, never know when people are going to get symptoms and we never kept society closed down. What we did is say, okay, the minute you get symptoms, please stay home for influenza and other viruses. Here, we were trying to shut down transmission with COVID with all of these techniques, including testing and contact tracing. And I think with the Omicron variant and with two years into the pandemic, there's a realization that it isn't going to go away. And that really isn't human behavior. It's it's really animal reservoirs. It has a long infectious period. It looks like other respiratory pathogens. And it, we don't get sterilizing immunity from the vaccine. Those four factors make it impossible to eradicate. That doesn't mean we didn't try. We really, people did, countries did try. But then if you live with an endemic virus, then you try to take people away from what is the most important thing, getting sick, getting severe disease. And that's what vaccination has been doing. Professor Gandhi, you you said that actually you're most infectious before symptoms start. Is that true even if somebody has symptoms and they're kind of coughing and spluttering everywhere? Because I think that, you know, the most logical understanding would be that obviously you're more infectious if you've got symptoms because you're coughing and spluttering everywhere. So so that's exactly right, that if you are coughing and sneezing, that is more likely to propel the virus. There are also people who are very infectious they're called super spreaders, and we don't know what makes someone have a high viral load or not. What we assumed with this virus is that everyone was sort of equally infectious at all times and tried to shut it down. But again, it it wasn't anyone's fault. I really have to stress that. It is the nature of endemicity that we couldn't shut it down. And now we need to prevent people from getting ill. Well, Professor Gandhi, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Well, Eve, I found that fascinating. I have to say it must be quite a compelling argument for limiting the isolation period to five days. And something that you mentioned as well um, when we were talking about this earlier, that by limiting it to five days, you'd actually encourage more people to take a test. Yeah, that was something interesting I saw uh, an American doctor say, that actually because people are are quite concerned of having to isolate for seven days, it feels like quite a long period of time. Five days seems a lot more manageable. So perhaps you're going to encourage people to think, okay, it's not that bad, let me go and take a test if I think I have it. I mean, as we've been recording this, a friend of mine's just texted to say that her husband has just tested positive and is furious because he's got no symptoms. So (laughs) there you go, seven days to go. And he had a very, very faint line. So I assume that must mean 
you know, that he's not very infectious even. I think as Omicron kind of takes over as the dominant variant, we are seeing very strange situations with tests. And I think we're going to see at some point some research come out looking at how the tests behave differently with Omicron, because it does seem like they're not as accurate as perhaps they have been. I'd be interested to hear what a UK expert has to say about this We're joined now by Professor Lawrence Young, a virologist at Warwick Medical School. Thanks very much for finding time to talk to us. Uh, We're chatting today about calls to change the rules on isolation, as they have done in America, uh, reducing it from seven days to five days. Obviously, it's, it's a slightly confusing issue because we measure things in a different way. But I'm aware that this is something that you don't think would be a good idea. Is that right? Well, I'm just a bit concerned that um, reducing the self-isolation period to five days without having very strict enforcement of lateral flow testing is a worry. We're still unsure about the incubation period from getting infected to becoming infected with Omicron. We know it's shorter than Delta. But of course, the thing is, you know, this varies from person to person. I'm afraid, like many things in biology, it's not an exact science. And people getting infected will have different courses of of, of, of infection and incubation periods. And my feeling has always been that seven days gives you a very good margin to make sure that you are not infectious any longer. My understanding is that you're most infectious actually before you have symptoms start, though. Is that right? Well, the, the, yeah. So, there's, as I say, there's a shorter time from infection to becoming infectious. Not on it's probably two or three days. And during that period, you for a couple of days before the onset of symptoms, you are likely to be infectious. And that infectious period once you get symptoms, can last for two to three days. But of course, if you remain um, asymptomatic, then it's likely that period period of being infectious is going to be shorter anyway. Do we know, because obviously in America, our understanding is that the rules only apply to people who are asymptomatic um, and uh, they have a different set of rules uh, for people who are unwell. Um, You know, do we know about how many people are asymptomatic with COVID or how, you know, do we even know how many people are testing uh, positive who are asymptomatic at the moment? What percentage of people? No, 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 we we don't actually for Omicron. It's quite clear that many people are having milder symptoms and cold-like symptoms with Omicron. It's been been estimated that up to 50% of people currently with sniffles and colds, the usual sort of things that people get over the winter, have probably got a, a mild case of Omicron. So it's quite likely that many people have mild symptoms. How many people are completely and totally asymptomatic? We're not sure. But we know that clearly if people are testing positive without symptoms, I think the big issue is, is, is around the accuracy of the lateral flow test and the fact that if you test negative with lateral flow, it doesn't mean that you're not infected. Because lateral flow only really picks it up when you're infectious. Is that right? Yeah, so, so lateral flow tests can detect around 95% of people who are at their most infectious. Regardless of symptoms. Yeah, regardless of symptoms, yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's a very good test for, for sort of peak infectiousness, if you like, but it's still possible, in theory, to be infectious in, in, before you become lateral flow positive. Um, but also, if you do have symptoms but test negative on lateral flow, you must get you know, a PCR test. That's what's happening in England. And, and it's likely that you will you, know, you could have Omricom, but, but it's too early for it to be detected on the lateral flow device. Just to rewind what you said, if, if you test positive on lateral flow, you must also have a PCR? No. No, no, no. If you test negative on lateral flow, you should have a PCR. If you have symptoms, you should have a confirmatory. Yeah. 
a PCR test because it's likely that you could be in that pre you know that pre phase where you're not making enough virus to be detectable with lateral flow. Because I, I thought that if you had symptoms, you just you just went straight to PCR. Yeah, I mean, but people could do that as well. I mean, so 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 the, the issue is if you've got symptoms and you're testing, many people will be using lateral flow tests all the time and checking with symptoms. The problem at the moment is, as I said earlier, many people are having colds and flu-like symptoms. And I think that you need to be you know, really careful so that if you test negative, even though you might have cold or sore throat, um, you shouldn't assume that you are COVID negative until you have a PCR test. I, th- I think that's really a, a message that, that that could well do with being broadcast more clearly by uh, by the NHS and by the government. That that if you've got sem- symptoms, don't do a lateral flow. Go and get a PCR test in the first instance. Yeah, the lateral flow is not for people with symptoms. It's only for monitoring people without symptoms. Really, it, it is. I think the big problem we have at the moment is that many people will be doing lateral flow tests who have symptoms and getting a negative result. Well, because everyone has them, don't they? So yeah, exactly. It just makes sense. And I've heard so many stories of people. Eve was just saying to me that her friend was what, what was it, Eve? That she took. She had four lateral flow uh, tests that were negative, and then a fifth lateral flow test days later that was positive and then uh, followed by a positive PCR test. But she was doing those tests because she had symptoms, right? Yes, she did. But but similar to actually myself now, <laughs> funny we should talk about people who have cold symptoms. She had a sniffle and a sore throat. So it wasn't the traditional COVID symptoms, but she was just taking lateral flow tests as most people would be. And that's a real issue too, because of course, you know, we're talking about lateral flow tests taken by people who don't have necessarily COVID symptoms. But the issue is, what are the symptoms? Because symptoms are changing. So even though currently the triad of agreed or conventional symptoms, that is continuous new cough, fever, loss of taste and smell, is not necessarily what people are experiencing with Omicron. But it's, yeah, so there's a real issue because it's quite clear that a lot of bad colds with headaches, sore throats, runny noses, are actually Omicron infection, and that's why we've got such high levels. Professor Young, can I just ask, and sorry if you, you have already said this, but does that mean that lateral flow tests are less accurate if you're symptomatic? They're not less accurate. I think there's a sensitivity issue. It's not an accuracy issue. It's a sensitivity rate issue. And the, and the, and the two tests are so different because you, yeah, you can remain PCR positive for quite a long time but not be infectious at all because that test really is a very, very, very sensitive t- test. It's a, it's a needle in a haystack test. and It can mean either you, you're about to become really infectious or you've been infectious and are no longer infectious, but you've got bits of the virus still in your body, whereas the lateral flow test actually detects the virus itself. It doesn't detect little bits of the viral RNA. So the tests are very, very different. But on the whole, lateral flow is a really good test for telling you whether you are at your most infectious and therefore in danger of infecting other people. Look, we, we've just changed the rules. So if you're being monitored with um, lateral flow testing, you test positive, the clock starts, you have to isolate for seven days and you have to do the two lateral flow tests at the end. Could we not make it five days with the lateral flow test at the end? I mean, aren't most cases uninfectious by that point and that lateral flow test would be the, the deal sealer, as it were? Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, even though I'm nervous about this for a number of reasons, I think there's still a lot we don't know about Omicron infection. But one of the things we do know is that there's a shorter period between becoming infected and becoming infectious. The so-called incubation period is shorter. And the likelihood then as a consequence of that, 
is that the infectious period is also shorter and that if you have mild or no symptoms, it's likely to be all over and done with within within five days. So, you know, we know what we're facing with Omicron is difficult because it is more infectious in the upper respiratory tract and able to replicate more effectively, but it might all be over and done with pretty quickly, particularly because there's so much immunity about in the population. And I believe there's some evidence from Taiwan that indicates that as well. There's some some very good evidence now, and and they've been very cautious. Um, But you've mentioned that you'd still be nervous about changing the rules right now. Why is that? Well, I'm nervous because of the need to make sure, firstly, that people are doing lateral flow tests properly and reporting the results, but also because, of course, we do have issues about the availability of lateral flow tests. I think at the moment, for me, the big problem is messaging is so confusing for everybody. After yesterday's announcements, I've been talking to many, many people today who are very confused, not only about the whole issue about uh, around self-isolation, but also what they need to do now in terms of travel. And I think that makes people very you know just they just lose trust in the government and i think we've been a there's been a big problem with messaging all the way through so i think if we are going to bring that change into five days and i understand of course the biggest impact of this at the moment is on staff absences and the effect that that's having on the nhs and other vital services then i think we just need to be absolutely clear in the messaging about the need to use lateral flow tests and to do those two tests over consecutive days to make sure that you are consistently negative and also that you report those those natural flow test results but as long as it was all done correctly potentially safe to have a five-day isolation period as long as there was those two negative uh, lateral flows at the end which is uh, you know it's an interesting interesting idea to float i think uh, certainly for the government um, to consider and um, thanks very much for finding time to talk to us um, as ever it's been extremely enlightening Thank you very much. Hi. Sorry to interrupt your listening, but there's another great podcast from the Mail on Sunday you might want to try. Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast, offering a weekly look into the life of Britain's most unfiltered columnist. That's me. Find us at mailplus.co.uk. Eve, I've got a theory about the, something I've noticed during the pandemic is that different experts from different specialties seem to have uh, different outlooks or approaches or, or attitudes towards the virus and risk and all, all those kinds of things. And certainly I feel like the infectious diseases experts like uh, Monica Gandhi seem to maybe have a more relaxed or less worried or more kind of let's get on with it approach than others perhaps because they've seen just how bad outbreaks of yeah they've seen worse they've seen worse with less resources and I don't want to say they don't sweat the small stuff because you know millions and millions of people have have died of of COVID it's not small stuff in in any way the key point is that we have tools in our armor don't we that that can tackle this whereas there's so many other infectious diseases that have uh, you know caused terrible devastation it's very bleak yeah there's where there's there's literally nothing you can do and people just die 
Exactly. And then you've got the other end of the scale, which is the mathematicians, the statisticians and the epidemiologists, all who deal with numbers and not people and not real situations in which they see that, that generally people do weather the storms and that we, we do want to and can cope with the worst when it happens. And, uh, you know, if you're just looking at the numbers spiralling upwards and upwards and upwards and realise that, you know, the equations that feed into that are X and why and this kind of behavior and that kind of behavior removing those behaviors from the equation would drive the numbers back down you're going to call for those things and they, they tend to be the most uh, you know zero covidy types i've found i fear that you may be upsetting quite a few epidemiologists no um, i'm not really i don't know i don't know, I don't know. See, <laughs> see what the trolls are saying <laughs> But nevertheless, it's interesting that that scientists are taking a a very different approach on this issue and that some are, are, you know, think it's very appropriate and it's absolutely the right thing to do. And others think it's the worst thing we could possibly do right now. Professor Young is normally very, very cautious. And although he did say, you know, it makes me nervous, etc. I mean, it sounded like he was saying it would probably be fine to cut isolation to five days for us also. I think if the if the objective was to, you know, stop any case of COVID and we were, you know, advocating for a, a zero COVID policy, then, of course, you wouldn't want to let any cases slip through the net. But I think most realistic scientists are understanding that that we have to get on with things and that there are going to be cases out there and there's nothing we can do about them. And, and how can we kind of reduce the effect as much as possible while not, you know, shutting down the whole of society? Exactly. And, you know, if you do end up testing positive Eve, if we change the rules, it would mean you could be back to work by next Wednesday. Well, isn't that wonderful? <laughs> Not that you're not working now, of course. I don't want this to sound like I'm making you work while, uh, um, you know. No, I volunteered. What else am I going to do? <laughs> I, and I'm not listening. Exactly. There you go. I am not. I paid you to say that. If I do test positive, I will be an interesting case, I guess, because, yeah, I just have a slight tickly cough. Well, I sincerely hope that it's not COVID, although many people say it's just a matter of time before we all get it. Although I'm sure I'm super immune, which is exactly what my friend whose husband just tested positive was telling me earlier. Oh, God. <laughs> so who knows? I'm just going to keep taking the lateral flows because they're clearly the ones to take. Yeah, except for when they're wrong. Well, I don't know. Well, I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? Because even though they might tell you you're not infectious, if you get a PCR, a positive PCR, you're still going to self-isolate, aren't you? So what does that mean about people who perhaps tested positive at work on a lateral flow, but they're negative on the PCR and then they've come back to work? Does that mean they had COVID but just were, I don't know. Well, Barney, you may remember that I was one of those people. So, oh my god, you were, weren't you? So, you know, maybe this is a Maybe that's why I'm immune. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've gone from having no COVID to two two times COVID. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Well, you'll have to tune in next week to find out the real answer to Eve's COVID drama. I'm sure if anything's <laughs> going to get listeners listening, that's going to be it. Absolutely. Well, you can find all the latest health news if you read this weekend's The Mail on Sunday and visit mailplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to access all of our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more and follow us on Twitter by searching at mailplus. We'll be back with another topic on Medical Minefield next week. See you then. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>